Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. morning. Happy Labor Day to everyone. Things seemed to be falling apart for the disciples. After the resurrection, they were scattered, scared, and disorganized. They seemed powerless and not effective. Even Peter the giant, whom Jesus had said, upon this rock I'm going to build my church. He was nowhere in sight. As some people would say, they were having their tails between their legs. The church seemed to be dying. Then we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes, the game plan changes. The seemingly dying church is once again revitalized. The timid disciples are preaching with boldness and thousands of people they are repenting. God will always have the last word. Do not count the church out yet. A miracle had just happened in chapter 3 before we get to chapter 4. As Peter and John arrived, they saw a man who had been crippled for many years. And the man looked at them expecting to get something. And they said to him, Silver and gold have we none. But such as we have, we have something inside of us. You are expecting a few dollars that you can use and spend up, but we have something important in us. We have Jesus in us. And such as we have, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The world is looking for different things today. But the disciples were established in their hearts that they had something that the world needed. And that the world needed Jesus. For the Bible says there is no other name in heaven and on earth 
given unto men by which men can be saved except the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And such as we have, we give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. It is the name that can break chains of sins. It is the name that can heal. It is the name that can take away evil desires in people's hearts. It is the name that can transform such as we have. We give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Oh my goodness. That caused such a disturbance that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, they were angry. Remember when he was crucified, they thought we have done away with the problem. They started popping the champagne bottles, saying we've killed him. Forgetting that Sunday was coming. And when he rose again, those problems are starting. That name again is being preached. The name that they loved so much, the name that they hated so much. So they kept them overnight in prison and then brought them before the council. And then they admonished them not to talk about this name again. They were released not because the Sanhedrin was committed to justice, but they were released because of practical politics. The Sanhedrin was playing itself. They were being politically correct because a miracle had happened. There was evidence that this name of Jesus was powerful, that it can heal the lamb and heal the sick. It can set prisoners free. So they let them go. Does this sound familiar? This admonishment not to talk about the name of Jesus. Do we have places today where you are not allowed to speak about his name? Do we have countries today whereby if you whisper that name, the death sentence hovers around your head? Yes, we do. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got good news for you. God will not be silenced. He will have the last word in the matters of the affairs of the world. God is in control. There's a little song that I love that kids sing that says, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wild world in his hands. He is in control. So when Peter and John were released, in verse 23 where our verse is, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, 
and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. The first place where they went was to their community where they belonged, fellow believers. They knew where their support system was. After being harassed, threatened, and discouraged by the Sanhedrin, they needed support. And last week we heard that our support system is amongst our fellow believers. When we are down, when we are discouragement, this is the place to come for encouragement, to be uplifted, and to get hope. We are never meant to go solo in this journey in faith. That's why it is important, as Pastor Dan said, to plug in into a small group, life group, and walk with others. Hebrews 10.25 says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We are supposed to encourage one another, not to put one another down, but to lift up each other. And we see them, they practice the prayer as a community. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So how did the church respond to this sad news? In verse 24a, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Corporate prayer is important. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 30 says, one can chase 1,000 and two can chase 10,000 when God is at work. I don't know how that math works out, that one is 1,000, but two is 10,000. But it goes on to show the power of agreement. That's why Jesus says, wherever two or three are gathered, there is power when we come together as a community of faith in agreement and pray. We are better together and we are stronger together as a community of believers. And we need one another. So they started praying. And this was not just a simple prayer. Let's take a look at this prayer and break it into the three elements of this prayer that they prayed. One, they prayed talking about divine creation. And before we look at this prayer, it is important to note in this prayer that this prayer was shaped by what God had said to them in scriptures. You and I, we are human beings, we have finite minds. We cannot understand the breadth and scope of God's greatness. That's why we constantly go back to his scriptures 
and see how great, how marvelous, and how wonderful he is. So this prayer, the disciples went back to Scripture. And 24b says, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. This is a direct quote from Psalms 146, verse 6. It laid the groundwork for their prayer. When we approach God in prayer, we need to understand who God is. That's why the book of Hebrews says, he who comes to God must believe that God is. In my country where I come from in Zimbabwe, some people, they've got their gods that they keep in their suitcase. So when things are hard, they take out that piece of cloth and pray to it. That's their God. I've got some good friends from Asia who have their gods in the fireplace. When things are tough, they go and kneel down before that God. But the disciples, they knew in their hearts what kind of God they were coming to. It was an established fact that he was the God of creation. He was the God who made heaven and earth. It gave them confidence. Jesus taught his disciples and says, when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven. He's not here on earth. Heaven is his seat and earth is his footstool. And the scripture says, as the difference is between the vastness, between the earth and the heavens, so are his thoughts and your thoughts. He does not think like you, I'm sorry. Neither does he think like me. His ways are not like mine. And his words are yes and amen. And whatever he says, he watches over his words to hearken, to perform that which he has promised. So that's the God who the disciples were approaching. It was established. It was good for them to know who they were praying to. It was settled in their hearts. They were persuaded that they were praying to the God who delivered the children of Israel at the Red Sea. They were not pray praying to some little statue in a fireplace. They were praying to God who had delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not only did they understand that uh, he was the God of creation, they also understood that he was also the God of revelation. God wrote history before it happened. Verse 25. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers bend together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Before it happened, God had already prophesied this. And this was a direct quote from the book of Psalms, chapter 2, 
they quoted the exact opening two verses. The disciples had a revelation. They knew that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was the key to salvation and was the foundation upon which this young church was built on. It was built on Christ alone. And they were pointing to the revelation about his suffering and how those predictions were fulfilled. They prayed based upon God's word. Thank God we have had an opportunity as a church to read through the Bible together. This should not be a one-time exercise. It's important for us to know the word of God and to pray the word of God. They fixed their eyes on Jesus. Remember, they talked about the name of Jesus in the beginning. At one time, the disciples were in a boat, and Peter and Jesus asked Peter to come to him. And Peter, as he stepped on the water, the Bible says, he started looking at the waves and started sinking. In my mind, I don't think it was only looking, though the Bible mentions looking. Waves, they make sounds too. So I believe besides looking at the waves and seeing how scary it was, he was also hearing the sound of the waves. And he took off his eyes of Jesus and started looking at the situation around him. And the Bible says he started sinking. And Jesus extended his hand. What happened when Jesus extended his hand? Instead of looking at the waves, instead of looking at the situation, instead of looking at the circumstances, Peter refocused his eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith. And the Bible says all became well when he started fixing his eyes on Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, in this world, I don't know what your situation is like. I don't know what waves, what circumstances. We need to look at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And they also understood that whatever they were going, God had divine providence. Verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Portius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided before this would happen. Remember I said that at some point the scribes and the Pharisees and everybody associated with them they had celebrated killing Jesus. And the disciples understood that all that had happened was in God's divine plan. So don't let your heart and your blood pressure go up saying, why is the world going this way? 
Now that we have artificial intelligence, how are things going to be? That's none of your business. Were you there? Well, was I there when he created the heavens and the earth? When we see new laws coming that are antichrist, God has got it. We are not worshipping a statue who's dead and silent. He is a God who intervenes and he is a God who speaks. And the disciples knew it and they understood it. And they said, everything that is happening, God has a purpose. Things that are happening in your life, God has a purpose. He knows you. You know, my wife loves me a lot, and I know that she loves me. But she doesn't know the number of hairs in my head, does she? And the Bible says, even the very numbers of hairs in your head unknown by him. So whatever the circumstances are, God knows. And he's working out his plans for good because they are not for evil. And what the devil meant for evil, God will use it for good. I like what Dennis Johnson said. He said, God ruled supreme in the horrors of Calvary. When they thought they were done away with Christ, and when he rose again, their propaganda machinery and misinformation department went into full swing. They spread rumors that his disciples had stolen his body. But that was not the end. God was in control. God chooses when, where, and how to show up. He doesn't work on our calendar. He doesn't work at our bidding. I've heard so much about prayer that you would think that if we pray so much, we can beat up God, we can beat up God to change his will and desire for us, that we can make things happen. But Jesus taught his disciples, he says, when you pray, thy will be done. It is always his will that is to be done. And it is important that we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us to know what God's will is at any given time. You see, when the Philistines thought that they had Samson cornered, blind and powerless, he destroyed a whole bunch of them in that one day. When the Egyptians thought that they were close to getting the Israelites and dealing away with them, God swallowed them at the last moment at the Red Sea. That same God is with us today. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And finally, they make the petition. Finally, they make the petition. If it was me praying, I would have prayed like David and says, God, swallow up my enemies. Kill them all. Slaughter them. 
But that wasn't their petition. Their petition was, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's all that they prayed for. These people were being intimidated, threatened, and manipulated. They faced imprisonment or death as their master had. But all that they prayed for was for boldness to speak the word. We move against the culture as a body of Christ today. Ladies and gentlemen, let us pray for boldness that regardless of the cost, we would preach the word. Once upon a time, the Pope sent an envoy to Martin Luther and the papal envoy threatened Martin Luther, Luther and said, if you persist in your course, I'm warning you that in the end, you will be deserted by all your supporters. And then the papal envoy demanded from Martin Luther, where will you be then when you have been deserted? And Martin Luther, Luther replied, then as now, in the hands of God. If everybody deserts me because I'm sticking with the truth, he said, then as now, I will remain in the hands of God. And they went with their petition, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus Christ. They were not praying that God will authenticate his word, but they were praying that they be authenticated as messengers of the word. In John, all signs and miracles, all miracles were referred to as signs. It was not for personal gain or popularity or name recognition antics. There were signs pointing to Jesus. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God always answers prayers. To those that work in the government, especially those that deal with sensitive information, there are certain levels of clearances that people get. Some people get low clearances, they've got access to the basic stuff, and some people have higher clearances. They can see deeper things, deeper information. And then there are very, very secret things that only a few individuals can set their eyes on. And as we come into this age, God has given his church security clearances. We don't have the highest because the deepest things and the hiddenest things, if there is any such word, they belong to God. But we do have higher clearance to know where the world is going, what God is up to. It's all contained in his word. But because we have scales and our understanding is limited, 
Sometimes we need a revelation through the Holy Spirit so that we can discern. And Daniel 2.22 says, God reveals deep and hidden things. He, know, he knows what is in darkness and light dwells with him. And Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 33 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. You know, the most dangerous people are the people that talk to God. They plotted in the Old Testament against the children of Israel. And God would go and tell the children of Israel. And then they turned to themselves and said, Huh? Do we have a spy in our midst? Why is it whenever we discuss something here, the Israelites know about it? Because God was the God of creation. He was there behind the closed doors and he forewarned the children of Israel. And the children of Israel, they was a type of the church. And we do have hidden and secret things from the word of God. Not a new revelation, no. But bound within the confines of scriptures. We are stronger together as a team than as individuals. In our life groups, we should pray together. As families, we should pray together. There is power in agreement. Question for you this morning. Are our prayers word best? It is important for us to participate in prayers during corporate worship services. Pastor Aaron last week mentioned about the prayer that we have after services. There are people that you can go to and they can pray for you. And also you can approach the session, your leaders, your elders, to ask for prayers. It is okay as a body of Christ to ask for prayers and to be prayed for. Another question. Do you see God's sovereignty in your present situation or circumstances? Do you see that God is working out something irregardless of the pain, irregardless of the darkness, irregardless of how dire your situation is like? Do you see that God is up to something? He's making a way for you. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercies. We just lift up our offerings to you this morning. We pray, Father, that you Bless the offering in Jesus' name. Amen.